welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. All right, good morning. Good to um, see you this morning. I invite you to open your Bibles uh, with me to Genesis chapter 28. We are continuing in our, our series in the uh, book of Genesis. And we've been um, looking at um, this life of um, the patriarchs as we worked our way through, the gen- through this section. From chapter 12, we uh, began looking at Abraham and the, the Abrahamic covenant, the promises given to Abraham. And we've come into chapter 28, and really we want to begin in the, uh, the, the end of chapter 27 from uh, verse 41. And uh, we're uh, looking at, in particular, Isaac and his family. And as you, as you, as you get into this section, there's two things that stand out. <clears throat> One is this family had problems. Uh, <laughs> Uh, especially in the later part of um, Isaac and Rebecca's life, um, you, you realize that uh, they seem to um, seem to really having be having a lot of problems, and with their sons, who have um, really haven't um, haven't embraced uh, the God of of uh, Abraham and of of Isaac. And, and so the problems really uh, kind of highlighted here. But also we see in the backdrop of, of all their problems is a God of grace, a God of, of patience and mercy and uh, dealing with them. And I was thinking that the Abrahamic covenant that uh, God had given promises and if that had been dependent upon the, the obedience and righteousness of the descendants of Abraham, then that covenant would have come to a screeching halt with his family. Uh, but as we see, God had chosen Abraham and a certain line of descendants through him to be his people, through whom the, the Messiah would come. And God is carrying out his plan, his promise uh, that he had made. And we see in this the great grace of God as he accomplishes his purpose, as he patiently carries out his plan and works in and through the lives of his people. And even as we see their failures, we see even greater the grace of God in their lives. He remains faithful even in their failures. And that really brings, uh, brings me to a, a, a thought here as we think about uh, this family, and we are coming to the, the end here of chapter 27, and uh, we see that each member of Isaac's family are really doing things their way. Uh, we'll look in a moment at just an overview of their 
of, of uh, some of the things that's happened here in chapter 27. But um, instead, of, instead of doing things God's way, they're, they're doing things their way. And as you think about that, each of us are either doing things God's way or we're doing things our way. There is a, there is a path that our lives are on, and that path, just like a, a physical path, takes us somewhere. The spiritual path that we're on is also taking us somewhere. And so we have to constantly be evaluating, what is, where am I going? What, is, what are the, uh, where's my heart? Where's my priorities in my life? And we see with Isaac's family, they're, each individual is in many ways putting themselves first and it's causing a, problems within their relationships. It's causing a lot of misery and heartache in their lives. And I submit that the same is true for us. To the degree that we do things our way, we create within our own lives, lives of those around us, problems, misery, heartache, all of that. And we see that these two ways, God's way and our way, is really um, it's about what, what, what our priority is, what we're seeking uh, in our life, the living out of our life daily. Uh, we go through the week, we run into problems, we've, we make decisions. And in, in those processes and in our interactions with other people, we're either seeking what we want, seeking what we feel like is best for us, or we're turning our thoughts to God and saying, God, what do you want in this situation? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to think about this? And so uh, each of us this morning has, has as our main priority of life, God's way, or we have as the pattern of our life and the priority of our life, our way. And, and it, you would hope it would be so simple as to say, you know, believers over here, those that have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're, they're always seeking God's way. And unbelievers over here, they're always seeking their own way. Well, the unbelievers, you, you, could, you could make that statement that they're generally speak, seeking their own way. But for believers, even though that we've been redeemed, we've been saved, the reality is at times we don't seek God's way, do we? At times we, we put ourselves first, we become selfish and self-focused. And just like Isaac and Rebecca, they kind of lose their way a bit. They begin really focusing on what they want out of the situation. And so as we think about the, the lives of Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and even Esau, we can probably uh, identify with them as individuals on, at times in our life. But I, uh, I hope as believers, our, the pattern of our life is to seek God. And if it's not, if that's not the pattern of your life, then you really have no claim to faith in Christ. You have no claim to be a, a genuine believer if, if that is not the overall characteristic of your journey that you are seeking after God. 
and His will. And so as we look at these, uh, these individuals in this account, we really see uh, either people who are self-focused or God-focused. And I believe we can, we can evaluate our own life right where we're at this moment and say, am I really God-focused or am I self-focused? And I trust the fact that you're here this morning is that you are, you are seeking after God and you want God be directing your life and you want to be hearing from him. But let's just think a, a moment this morning about these individuals. Think about Isaac, uh, who had received the promise of the covenant of Abraham that was given to Abraham. And at times he has, uh, we read in chapter 26, we see some very positive things there in his life. He seems to be uh, seeking the Lord and uh, obeying the Lord and responding and Although although problems also, but now later in his life, he seems to have really lost his focus, lost direction, and he's really doing things his way, even to the point that he is seeking to override the choice of God concerning his two sons and the firstborn right and blessing that God had said would, would go to um, uh, Jacob. He is seeking to overthrow that and give it to Esau. And you, you remember from, from um, a couple of weeks ago when Daniel preached here in the first part of chapter 27, we saw how that he secretly tried to give that blessing to Esau. And then, well, I read... Um, interesting statement by uh, Kent Hughes in his commentary. He used this analogy. He said, Isaac had tossed a torch into his family's tent by his fighting against God's word. And, and that's not a torch, flashlight torch. That's a flaming torch. <laughs> and if you think about that imagery, uh, that, that really is a, 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 an image that shows us the damage that was done in his family, in their lives, by his um, uh, seeking to secretly uh, do things his way. We also have Rebecca, and I, I see Rebecca as, uh, I imagine her as someone that's used to getting her way. Uh, and not being the head of the household meant, meant that that was often accomplished by manipulation. Instead of trusting God to accomplish his plan with Jacob and overrule Isaac's secretive plan, uh, she takes matters into her own hands. Uh, there was a lot of options that, that Rebecca had here in trusting God. She, trusting God didn't mean she had to just sit back and do nothing. I mean, she, she obviously could have brought this matter before the Lord, prayed about it. She could have went and talked to to Isaac, her husband, and uh, reminded him of God's prophecy concerning Jacob. I mean, there's a lot of things she could have done. She could have tried to persuade him to, to listen to God and, and, and obey God. And, but instead, 
she trumps uh, Isaac's uh, deception or secrecy with her own plan. And we know that um, she did win. She got the blessing given to uh, Jacob. But her victory is, is rather short-lived because almost immediately she's faced with the consequences of going her own way. She may have uh, been thinking in her mind uh, in justifying, as we often do, justifying her actions by saying, well, well, that's God's will and I'm just helping to accomplish God's will. But um, God doesn't need our sin. <laughs> he doesn't need the power of our flesh to, uh, to accomplish His purposes and His will. Well, how much did it cost Rebecca? By doing you know, things her way? Well, we see immediately that the very thing that she was trying to protect or promote is Jacob, she lost. Notice, notice with me beginning there in verse 43. Genesis chapter 27, verse 43. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. This is her speaking to Jacob. Uh, and she's, um, uh, she has heard that uh, Esau is planning to kill Jacob as soon as the, the father dies, as soon as Isaac dies. And Isaac thought he was the end of his life, although he, he lived, I think it was another 40-some years. So he wasn't, he wasn't getting ready to die anytime soon. Uh, but he, he just felt like you know he was to that point, so he decides he's going to give the birthright blessing. And so Esau thinks, well, I'll just wait, but then I'm going to get rid of this problem of Jacob. Well, Rebecca hears about it and she says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away. The net translation gives that statement there. Arise, flee as run away immediately. And uh, really, that's what he did. And the this, this statement there she makes, a while. In other words, after a while, I'll send for you. And, you know, she thinks Esau's uh, anger is going to cool off and she can send for him and bring him back home. Well, that a while um, turned into 20 years. And uh, she didn't see uh, Jacob again. And so she paid a price for doing things her way and all of us do just notice this statement i want you to think about it when you do things your way you may get what you want but later to find out that it's not what you thought it would be and it costs you more than you wanted to pay i think those of you who live long enough to think back on times when you did things your way got what you wanted that is really not what you thought it would be. And it wound up costing you more in the consequences. Yes, God can forgive us of our sins and our doings, but many times we live with the consequences of those actions and those decisions. And so it cost. It cost to go our own way. Well, from verse 46, 
we see one last record of, uh, of Rebecca, a melodramatic deception here again. Verse 46, she then goes to um, uh, her husband, Isaac, and uh, <clears throat> organizes for, um, uh, for, for Jacob to be sent away uh, with, with uh, Isaac's blessing. But, but she doesn't come out and tell the truth. She doesn't tell what's going on, why she's now decided that he needs to go find a, find a wife. Notice how she says it. I love my life because of the Hittite women. Those are, those are the wives of um, Esau who were a problem. They, they were, a, they were a made life difficult for, for Isaac and Rebekah. Uh, we saw the end of chapter 26 where it says that they made their life bitter. But she says she loved her life because of them. That's, a, that's the drama there that she's creating. Notice also, she says, If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? It's like, I might as well just die. You know, what good is life if, <clears throat> if this happens? Um, we don't ever do anything like that, do we? <laughs> we don't ever create drama in life. Um, that's one of the signs that you know you're doing things your way. Um, well, notice uh, Jacob. Jacob was also self-focused. Jacob's name means may he protect. In other words, may God protect but phonetically is very close to the, the word that means to grab the heel. And so Jacob lived up to this negative connotation of his name as a, as a heel grabber, a cheat, a deceiver. And we, we see that in the, his life only up to this point, but later, later on as he deals with Laban, uh, we'll get into that. I remember uh, watching a, a football game, the American football game, many years ago. And uh, this one player had broken away with the ball, and he's running down the sideline. There's no one left to, to catch him, and he's going he's to score a, a touchdown. And the opposing team are standing on the sideline as he comes running by, and one of the players sticks his foot out and trips him. <laughs> <laughs> and he just, you know, he's like, no, I didn't do anything, you know. But with all the cameras, he was caught. And uh, we, we were able to see his, his trickery there, his cheating. Well, that was Esau. That was part of the way he had learned to deal with life, is to be a deceiver, to get things his way. And we see that he had learned it in the home, in various ways, and he's taking it to another level, maybe. And he's gonna he's gonna meet somebody who's better at it than he is. And if it wouldn't it wasn't for God in his life, um, he would have come to ruin. And so we could we could say the same for us this morning, couldn't we? Regardless of our personality, regardless of where we've come from, regardless of our parents, if it was not for God, we would have no hope. 
was not for the Lord Jesus Christ in our life to bring grace and mercy to us, we would have no hope. Well, let's think lastly of Esau. He was, he was really totally dedicated to living life his way. He doesn't seem to have any regard for God in his life. He, he, wanted, the, he wanted the physical blessings from, uh, from, from his father, but he had no concern for the spiritual implications of the birthright. The writer of Hebrews says that he describes him as a, a sexual, immoral, and unholy. In other words, he was a profane kind of person. Um, no regard for God and the things of God. Well, as we come to chapter 28, we see a change in Isaac, the father. We see that he has bowed the knee to God's will. And, and I believe that happened right as, he's, as, his, um, as his son Esau had come in ready to receive the blessing, and he realized he's already given the blessing to Jacob. And he says, and he will be blessed. Acknowledging that this was God's will. And now we see Esau, he's now knowingly giving the blessing to Jacob. And he's, he submitted himself to God's will, God's plan that Jacob would carry forward the promise that God had given to Abraham. Let's read together here beginning in chapter 28. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, You must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Arise, go to Badan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take your wife from there, uh, one of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. God Almighty bless you. And make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be a company of people. May he give you the blessing Abraham, of Abraham to you and your offspring with you. That you may take possession of the land of your sojourning that God gave to Abraham. Thus Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padan Aram to Laban the son of Bethuel of Aramean, the brother of Rebekah. Jacob and Esau's mother. And so we, we see <clears throat> Jacob being sent away here. But I have to notice <clears throat> the, the contrast between how Abraham had uh, led his family in contrast to how uh, Isaac uh, led his family. Now, Abraham had sent the servant off in preparation for finding a wife with provisions and a plan there, God's, God's timing, and how here Isaac and his lack of, lack of leadership, really, it's, um, it's kind of like a through deception. He's, he's, oh yeah, I guess, I guess we do need to get a wife for Jacob from, <laughs> from um, our people. Uh, and, he, and he sends him off. And as we, um, as we begin, continue reading, we realize that he's, there's really little preparation, no preparation really, in this sending him away. And rather than sending a servant to bring a wife back like 
Isaac received. He, he goes along with um, Rebecca's plan to send him away. In any case, um, we see in the following verses, Esau, as a, a statement of um, his effort to continue to do things his way, to try to get uh, blessing. Maybe he, maybe he thinks that he can uh, manipulate the situation. Um, Jacob is known as the hill grabber, but here we see Esau also trying to manipulate the situation to get a blessing uh, that he had already given up. Uh, notice verse 6. Now Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Paran Aram to take a wife from there, and that as he blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. And that Jacob had opened his father, had obeyed his father and mother, and gone to Paran Aram. So this is after he sees this, he he makes a plan. Verse 8, so when Esau saw that the Canaanite women did not please Isaac, his father. That's a pretty amazing statement there in, at, at this time. Um, Esau is 77 years old. And he's just now figured out <laughs> that, that his wives from, the, from these um, pagan wives that he took do not please his parents. Um, he's just putting it together, I guess. I don't know. But um, so when he saw that, verse 9, Esau went to Ishmael and took as his wife, besides the wives he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Neboth. Neboth. So he goes and gets a, a daughter, a wife, a, that's the daughter of, of Ishmael. You know, Ishmael was the son that had been rejected by God as the, as the, as the recipient of this uh, Abrahamic covenant. And, uh, but um, Esau doesn't, doesn't seem to recognize any of that reality. He's just trying to, uh, he's just trying to get the, the blessing of, uh, of land and blessing of wealth and that kind of thing. Well, as we turn our thoughts now from verse 10 back to Jacob, and we see that he's leaving home, and we see God's intervention in his life. Let's uh, read there in verses uh, 10 and 11. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. As I've read that, I always thought he must have been very tired. <laughs> Sleeping on a, on, a, on a stone for a pillow. And I, I, I can understand why he was so tired. He's, he's on a long journey. And uh, this journey to Haran, the northern Mesopotamia, is about 800 kilometers journey at least some some given figures of up, upwards of that to 900 kilometers but uh, that's you know that's to, just to put it in perspective that's like from here to Bloemfontein and you're going to set out on this journey walking by yourself 
And uh, the trip to, uh, to Luz or, or Bethel, as Abraham had named the, the area, uh, that's also a, a long ways. It's 80 kilometers. And um, I mean, that's, that's well on the other side of Nisna from here. And he, he, was, he must have really taken his mom's warning very seriously about uh, Esau going to kill him because he's making some time on that first day to, to get out of town. He's, uh, he's already uh, up to Bethel the first day. But Jacob is, uh, as you can imagine his situation, he's in a bad, bad place. Um, he's out of his element. He's, he's out there sleeping in the open. Uh, he's not the outdoors kind of person. This is, a, this is a trip better suited to Esau, who's a hunter and someone that's used to being out, used to defending himself. But, uh, but Jacob, he's more comfortable in the kitchen, so to speak. He's, he's, a, he's not used to this kind of life, roughing it. And he's out there and he's by himself. And uh, he's tired. He feels somewhat defeated. He's having to leave home. His brother's going to try to kill him. His life has just not gone the way that he imagined that it would. And so there, there as he goes to sleep, we realize that um, he's not alone, but that God is with him. And God is uh, beginning a work in Jacob's life. And he's going to teach Jacob um, how to trust him. He's going to teach Jacob to put his trust in God instead of his self. And he's going to bring Jacob back to this land and, and to a, a place of faith in God. But it's going to take a, a long time for Jacob. It's going to take 20 years. That's a long life lesson. Um, and uh, if you're committed to your way, it, it takes, a, takes a long time for God to, to, to turn you around. And that's what happens in the life of Jacob. Let's read verse, from verse 12. Um, <clears throat> and he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bless you, I'm sorry, and will bring you back to the land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob arose from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
Well, Jacob, in his dream, he sees this, uh, this ladder, or better, better uh, imagined a, a stairway. Um, many of the translations render uh, a ladder. Most, most theologians would, uh, would say this is most likely a, a form of a stairway of some kind, steps. But regardless, it's, it's, a, it's an image <clears throat> that conveys <clears throat> uh, this connection between where Jacob is at and where God's at. And that's the main point. <clears throat> I remember <clears throat> as a kid in, in uh, Sunday school in church singing this song. It's actually a, an African-American spiritual and it, it says, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. And it goes like that three times, and it, cli- it climbs up an octave each time, just like you're physically climbing, you know, up the ladder. And then it, then it, it's, then it says, soldiers of the cross. Well, I remember that song. <clears throat> it's kind of a catchy song. <clears throat> but I don't think I ever had anybody explain to me what that means. <laughs> what what does it mean to um, climb Jacob's ladder? <clears throat> well, we could ask the same question today. Can what what is it? What is this ladder all about, or this stairway to heaven? What does it mean for us? What did it mean for Jacob? Well, in the dream, God speaks to Jacob, and He gives him the direct promise of the covenant blessing, just as he did with Abraham and with Isaac. And he says that he will be with him as, as he was also in these promises made before to Abraham. If you remember back in chapter 26, God had uh, given this promise to, to his father Isaac that he would be with him. But notice in this dream, God not only makes this promise to Jacob, but he says, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now that, that must have been really encouraging to Jacob. As he's all alone, he's fearful, he's got good reason to be afraid. He's in, a, uh, he's in an environment that he's not equipped to deal with. There's enemies, there's animals, there's bandits, there's all kinds of dangers on such a long journey. But God's promising He's going to bring him back. He's going to be with him. He's not going to leave him until he accomplishes what he's intended to do in Jacob. And the imagery of the stairway also visually communicates this truth that God was present with him. And and these God's angelic emissaries are coming and going from God to Jacob. And they're they're carrying out God's plan. Not only was God present, but He was active in the, the life of Jacob. And He would be with him all through this journey and bring him back to the place. And God would eventually bring him to a place of submission to God's will, a place of a faith in God. Well, that's a, it's a tremendous encounter of God's grace in the life of Jacob. As far as we can tell, Jacob, as he laid down, he didn't pray to God and say, Lord, 
you know, I, 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 I know these promises and I'm trusting you. We don't see any of that. We just see God coming in His grace and His mercy, breaking up on the scene in Jacob's life. And God gave him these promises, committed himself to him. And we would have expected Jacob to say, wow, this is incredible. We would have expected him to, to say, I, I give my life to you. I surrender my will to you. But Jacob's not there yet. And, and we see that in the following verses. Jacob is humbled. Uh, he's fearful of the of the, this dream that he's had, the appearance of God, and he, and he sets up a memorial. He takes the stone that he had had his head on and he sets it up and says, I'll, I'll uh, uh, as a memorial to what had happened there and says this is the, the house of God. But we see in the vow that um, Jacob is still the old Jacob. He, he's... Uh, even after all of these promises and this revelation from God, he's trying to make a deal with God. Notice from verse 18 again. Uh, surely, uh, so early, this is after he uh, woke up. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil <laughs> on the top of it. So in other words, he consecrates it uh, and, and sets it up as a, as a reminder. Verse 19, he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. One writer I, I read said, big deal. <laughs> God must have really felt like, you know, boy, I'm getting a good end of the bargain here. Uh, Jacob is going to serve me. Uh, and he's going to build a house for me. And he's going to give a tenth. Um, it kind of reminds you of um, a TV show that used to be on when I was growing up, Let's Make a Deal. And the, and the show host would uh, make deals. You know, if you, if you choose this, you know, this prize, I'll, you get a chance to win this, and so forth. And many people today think that they can make deals with God. You know, God, if you just give me this, or if you just do this, and then I will, I will do that. God's not impressed with our deals any more than he was impressed with Jacob and his ideas. But God in his amazing grace was patient with Jacob to bring him to a place of full submission to God and in repentance. See, genuine faith doesn't bargain with God. Genuine faith uh, surrenders to the authority of God in our life, the surrender to, to who He is and what He's done for us, and to put our lives in His hands and say, I bring nothing to you, but I accept what Christ has done for me.
And so this is where God is, is bringing Jacob to this place of full, full surrender. But it's only a beginning really for, for Jacob. Well, in closing this morning, I want us to, to bring this to home in our own lives. Lord, as Daniel and I have worked through Genesis, we've, uh, we've tried to, to show you not only the, the significance and the meaning of these Old Testament events, the lives of the people, and uh, what it meant for them, what God was teaching them, what God was teaching the Old Testament uh, believers, through these events that were recorded. But we've tried to go uh, beyond that to bring it to us in our context as uh, New Testament believers, as the church, and especially where God has revealed for us in the New Testament uh, a fuller uh, meaning and significance as it relates to the gospel of Christ. And Jesus does that for us in this case of the, the stairway to heaven. Turn with me in closing to, to John chapter 1. In John, John chapter 1 from verse 45. And I think you'll want to see this passage for yourself. In this passage, Jesus reveals that the stairway to heaven that Jacob saw has a, has a future fulfillment in Jesus himself uh, as the Son of Man. Uh, let's read from verse 45. John 1, 45, Philip found, found Nathanael. This is, this is the time when Jesus is calling his first disciples. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. As we read the rest of this section, uh, you'll see that in the context, Nathaniel must have been thinking about this story of Jacob and the stairway to heaven. And the fact that he says that Nathaniel is an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit, he's basically saying there is no Jacob in him. In other words, he's, he's, he's open and honest. He's not kind of trying to go around another angle. And Nathanael said to him, verse 48, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you where you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angel, angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And so you can easily see there the connection back to, 
back to Jacob and this dream that he received from God of the stairway to heaven. And he describes himself here as the Son of Man, which is a, a messianic title of, of the Messiah of Christ, going, going all the way back to Daniel chapter 7. Well, ever since the fall, people have been trying to find stairways to heaven. They've been trying to find their own way to God, any way really, other than God's revealed way to God if you think back to the Tower of Babel and how they built the tower, and that may have been the kind of thing that Jacob saw were the steps, you know, going back and forth, winding up until they reached into the clouds. Uh, that's what they were, they were trying to do. And, and the world today has many stairways to heaven, so to speak. There are many, many religious efforts to God, to appease God. But they're all according to their own way of thinking, as opposed to God's revealed word. If you notice in the in Jacob's dream, the stairway that he that he dreamed about, it was not one for him to climb. But it showed Jacob that God was already present with him through the ministry of these angels. And Jesus reveals that. He is the stairway. He is the bridge. He is the, the mediator between us and God. He is the way. He is the only way. God has come to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And He's revealed to us the Father. And He's made it possible that we can have a relationship with the Father and know Him. If you remember just the beginning of John 1 where he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, he says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's, that's Jesus coming to us, revealing to us this way to God. If you go back, Verse 11 through 13, he came to his own, still speaking of Jesus, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That is the bridge for us. That is the stairway for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews writes of this new way, the new and living way to God. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. In other words, when the Lord Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for us, in His death, He opened up this new way to God. This stairway. This connection to God. That we can have our sins forgiven. That we can have eternal life with Him. Have you come by that way? By the way of Christ through faith in Him? God is not asking you to come and bring your good deeds. He's not asking you to come and bring your good life. He's not asking you to come and bring with your ideas. He's asking you to, to accept 
his revealed word about the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done for us. He's asking you to accept, to believe that you are a sinner without Christ, without hope. And to accept life in him. Will you accept him today? We're going to bow our heads in a moment. We're going to give you a moment to speak to God. But there's many majority here today that have trusted Christ. You are in the way. You are believers of Christ. But there may have be a, you may be at a point where, as we've talked about this passage, you can identify that uh, some areas where you need to surrender to God. Some areas in your life may be where you've been doing things your way instead of God's way. And you just need to take this time and confess those to God and turn from them. And so that God can bless you as he wants to bless you and that you don't have to wait many years through trouble and troubles and difficulties like Jacob does. Let's bow together. Father, as we come before you this morning, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who's opened for us the way we can have a relationship with you, that we can know you. Thank you, Father, for uh, your grace to us. And just like Jacob, Father, we're, we're unworthy. Thank you, Father, that you've come to us in our need and that you have revealed yourself to us in the person of Christ and the word of God that we can know how we can be forgiven, how we can be saved. And I pray for us today as believers that we would examine our own heart and our own life and allow the Spirit of God to identify areas where we haven't given to you, areas where we're operating and functioning according to our own will, our own purpose. Father, may we, we, we rededicate our lives to you this morning to live for you, to seek with our, the priority of our life your way, your will, so that you might get the glory and the honor from our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.